Welcome to Building Blocks, connecting people, places, and policies. Building Blocks is a space for thought-provoking conversations about the current issues, trends, ideas, and big questions facing the affordable housing and community development field in the United States. I'm your host, Laurel Blatchford, president of Enterprise Community Partners. As a proven and powerful nonprofit, Enterprise creates opportunity for low and moderate income people through affordable housing in diverse, thriving communities. Today, housing costs are rising faster than income and earnings. The growing challenge of housing affordability has become a familiar trend for many cities across the country, and Atlanta, Georgia is no different. Between 2000 and 2017, Atlanta's median rent increased by 70%, while the local median income went up by just 48%. On top of that, Atlanta loses affordable housing at a rate of 1,500 homes per year. In the face of these numbers, many families must make impossible trade-offs between being able to pay for rent nutritious food or health care, and often leave their home communities in search of affordability. But in June of this year, Atlanta launched one of the most ambitious affordable housing plans in the country, taking bold action to address housing affordability, equitable growth, and displacement, proactively putting itself ahead of a looming crisis. So this is why I'm particularly excited to have for this episode of Building Blocks a few key guests and people involved in that plan. I'm joined in the studio by Terry Lee, Chief Housing Officer for the City of Atlanta. Welcome. Welcome. Good afternoon, Laurel. Adam Freed, Principal at Bloomberg Associates. Welcome. Great, great to be here today. And Enterprise's own Southeast Market Leader here in Atlanta, Megan Shanovikovic. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. We're going to be diving into how the plan was created, what the future looks like for Atlanta, and what other cities can learn from this work, and how to build a brighter, more affordable future for their communities. So lots of big topics to tackle here. Um, we have just a few minutes, but I think we'll hopefully get really into the meat of it. So I'm going to turn to you first, Terry. Um, maybe if you could give us a quick overview of what are the key housing problems facing Atlanta right now. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me today. You know, Atlanta is no different from any city within this country or even from a global perspective. Affordability, housing affordability specifically, has become a worldwide crisis. Um, I was with a few cities on last week, and what was interesting to note is that we all have different challenges in addressing housing affordability. And so specific to Atlanta, and, and quite honestly, again, with some of the other cities, is that what we're finding is that People are not making enough to afford housing. So it really gets back to what housing costs versus what people actually make. And so when you think about housing from an affordability aspect, you can't leave out the conversation of economic mobility. We're also seeing here in Atlanta that our construction activity is increasing, specifically among the residential activity. Since the recession, we now see ourselves going back to pre-recession activity, where we had probably the largest growth spurt in construction here in Atlanta. But what we're finding is that housing is being built, one, multifamily housing from a rental perspective, and then two, we're finding it built on the high end of luxury. And again, that's, that's not affordable. Additionally, Atlanta has, a, has experienced probably its highest population increase since 1970. Our population is right now right around 486,000 people, and that's a 19% increase since 2000. And so as our population is growing, the demand on our housing supply is absolutely increasing. But at the same time, we don't have the same inventory available to meet those people most at need. And can you speak at all about things like displacement? Is that leading to challenges for those who are still in the communities that are changing? So when we think through 
when we think through displacement or quite honestly gentrification, it really boils down to the level of development and growth in a community and whether or not you have adequate social policies and social means in place in order to encourage and retain existing residents. Um, and I know we'll talk about this a little further in our, in our in our talk today, but we recently released our One, One Atlanta Afford Housing Affordability Action Plan. And within the Housing Affordability Action Plan, we have a total of four goals across 13 initiatives with 45 action items. At least 10 of those action items focus on this whole notion of minimizing displacement to ensure that our residents have an opportunity to stay within our communities. There was an article over the weekend, I believe it was within the Washington Post, that really talked about as you have redevelopment happening in Washington, D.C., that existing neighbors are being forced out of their communities, legacy residents are being forced out of their communities. We're seeing some of the same things here in Atlanta. Examples of that really will be escalating property taxes. So while someone may be able to afford to stay in their home because they don't have a mortgage or a very minimum mortgage, they can't afford the property taxes. One of the things we've been fortunate to do, and quite honestly, this was the brainchild of our current mayor, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, was to really look at how do you establish anti-free tax displacement zones. When Mayor Bottoms was a council member, she requested that the Department of City Planning actually undertake this research. That research led to the establishment of the first anti-tax-free displacement zone within the city of Atlanta, which is focused along our west side, really quite frankly, in the backyard of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And so what, what essentially what it does is it takes the existing property taxes due a homeowner and caps it at a current rate for a 20-year period. The increase or the escalating property tax is then paid by a philanthropic fund. And so the property owners are not faced with that additional burden. It's a really interesting model. I want to hear more about that. Megan, Enterprise has been working in Atlanta for a long time. Can you can you add a little bit sure. more about the context before we start talking about the specifics of the plan? Sure. No, just to add on uh, Terry's point about anti-displacement measures, just thinking about the loss of affordability, very focused on thinking about preservation of our existing subsidized or naturally affordable housing in our multifamily housing property and working very closely with the city to identify strategies for intentional preservation, ensuring that we are creating and preserving affordable housing opportunities, particularly as we think about investment that's occurring in the city, whether it be through tr new transit infrastructure or new development, just securing that affordability within our communities. So back to you, Terry. I, you're the first chief housing officer here, correct? Yes. So tell, tell us about why that's such a significant role and what is, what it, what is it designed to accomplish? Absolutely. If I could digress, though, because I think the conversation around gentrification and displacement is very important. Mm -hmm. And most of the measures that both Megan and myself talked about really dealt with homeowners. But there is a need to protect our rental community and our residents that are actually living in rental rental housing units. And one of the things that we, we really need to focus on, and the city's plan does this along with work that Enterprise is doing, is really looking at what policies we can enact that will protect renters um, and be able to protect renters. We recognize that Georgia is not a very strong state on tenant rights protections, but there are measures that we can take, take from a local standpoint to ensure that we keep renters safe as well. Now to the chief housing officer. I am delighted to serve one, under the leadership of Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, but also to serve the citizens of Atlanta as the first chief housing officer. To be quite honest with you, 
on day one, I was still trying to figure out what it actually meant. But um, essentially, what it states is that from a political will perspective, we take housing affordability seriously, and we are really focused in understanding how, as we work through this housing ecosystem, the city of Atlanta and its public sector partners and agencies can really collaborate, coordinate, and work differently to maximize the capacity we have to truly address this issue. When you think about the city of Atlanta and our housing delivery services, you have to include the five agencies that are responsible for delivering upon that promise. One would include Invest Atlanta, our economic development agency, as well as Atlanta Housing, who's our public housing authority, the Atlanta Beltline, Inc., Fulton County City of Atlanta Land Bank Authority, and the city itself through the Department of City Planning. My role and quite honestly responsibility as Chief Housing Officer is really to work with each one of those agencies to ensure that we are aligning their services to fulfill not only the mission that, that Mayor Bottoms has set forth of One Atlanta, but really fulfill the need of addressing housing affordability here within the city. Sounds amazing. And the, the housing plan that was released in June is really the first kind of centerpiece of that. How are you thinking about it? Is it? Oh, my God. It's your, um, your, your North Star, your roadmap. Um, it's just the beginning. An outline. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally just the beginning. But what I will tell you is I've been privileged to serve here in the city for the last 14 and a half years. And this is the first plan that is truly a shared collaborative vision among all the housing agencies. It's not one agency. It's not one person. It's really a collective effort to understand how we can maximize the tools that we have in our toolkit and our inventory to truly address housing affordability. What's really exciting is that the vision of the plan is, again, even one that was addressed and actually developed in collaboration with all the agencies. Mayor Bottoms has been really focused on how do we create One Atlanta, a city that's affordable, a city that's equitable, and a city that's inclusive of all of our residents. The vision we set forth from the housing plan really, really builds upon that, and it takes it a step further. And it basically says, how can we be intentional about providing affordable and equitable housing opportunities to anyone who desires to call the city of Atlanta home? So I'm going to turn to Megan and Adam. Um, both of your art organizations have been involved in supporting the development of this plan. Um, as you say, Terry, this is cross-sector, cross-agency, right? To get this done takes a lot of stakeholders. So can you guys just talk a little bit about how you got involved in supporting this, um, maybe earlier this year, whatever the right timeline is, but it would be great to hear, I think, for lots of folks, how like how people on the outside of government can support something like this. Sure. Sure. So, you know, at Bloomberg Associates, we work with mayors around the world to help them solve the biggest problems that they're trying to tackle within their cities. And we're fortunate to be able to do it as a pro bono basis. When we first began getting involved in Atlanta, Mayor Bottoms asked us to support Terry as she was coming on, I think, day one or two of her job. We got the ask to say, can we help support her as she creates the new office and also develops an action plan to meet the mayor's vision, which was a concrete vision that was set out now, how do you align the goals? How do you align all the work and actions need to go in to support that? And I, I really feel like in this case, we we're very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, being able to build on a tremendous grassroots effort that Enterprise was part of with the Hells ATL that laid out you know, a broad array of actions that many partners could take, including the city, but not only the city, having someone as tremendous as Terry to really bring together the leadership and, and be a center point, a North Star for those efforts. And then having the mayor's vision and commitment to it really made our job easy and, and made it pretty seamless to step in and say, how can we add the capacity, the perspective from other cities around the world? As Terry said, 
this is a challenge every city is struggling with and, and trying to figure out how to get their arms around. And we were really excited to be able to partner with them on this. Sure. And, you know, for at Enterprise, we are, you know, looking at how we bring capital policy and solutions to support the mayor's vision and the billion dollar promise, as well as Terry's leadership. And under the House ATL platform, uh, which was led by ULI Atlanta and supported through the Arthur M. Blank Foundation, Central Atlanta Progress, Center for Civic Innovation, and the Atlanta Metro Chamber, they brought 200 civic leaders together on a Big Ten convening to identify recommendations to support just that billion-dollar promise. And through that effort, we had led uh, one of the five groups, which was the Private Capital Committee. And under that committee, we started to have the conversation around how do we coordinate public-private and philanthropic dollars. So that's how we initially became involved. So lots of thinking that went into this, lots of um, collaboration. I'd love to hear you guys reflect a bit, maybe Terry and Adam, on what's new and innovative here. you know, I, I think there's. A, it sounds like there's a lot of really good tried and true tools that are going to be put to the test. But t- maybe tell a little bit more about what's what's new and what you hope to accomplish. That's yeah. more on the cutting edge. Yeah, I, I think the first thing that's new and different is the is the swell of the grassroots effort that really began in January 2018 to support the mayor's vision of providing more housing affordability and more specifically, as Megan has stated, the billion dollar promise. That was again the first time ever that I saw that level of a grassroots effort where you had over 200 individuals, over 70 organizations, basically not pointing a finger, but all sitting down together saying, how do we solve this problem? And how do we help address housing affordability here within our community? And more importantly, how do we look at it from a wealth building exercise? And how do we improve economic mobility? From From that current, one of the recommendations of House ATL was of course to appoint a chief housing officer. And again, I'm privileged to serve in that role. But one of the first things that we, that Mayor Bottoms actually stated at my appointment was that she would take the 23 recommendations presented by House ATL. She would ensure that her team actually took the time to walk through each one of those recommendations and that the city would come back and actually present its action plan as to what we would undertake to truly, in a very transparent and public-facing sense, address housing affordability. And so the one thing that's really different is the way our plan was informed. Our plan was informed, first of all, it's an action plan. Let me let me be real clear. It's not a sit-on-the-shelf <laughs> plan. It's yeah. a do-something yeah. plan. Yeah. I was real clear with Adam and all the members of our team that we're not just coming up with a pretty document for yeah. it to sit on the oh, shelf. Yeah. We are really moving forward with an implementation strategy to truly move the needle on how housing affordability that would impact not only more investment and more housing, but also the way people viewed affordable housing and ultimately impact the fabric of communities and folks' lives, right? And so when you think through it from that aspect, our plan itself has, again, a total of four goals. Invest in a billion dollars in affordable housing by 2026, creating and preserving about 20,000 opportunities for affordable housing, as well as increasing the overall supply of housing within the city of Atlanta, really supporting innovation, innovation as well as streamlining our processes so that our own bureaucratic environment would not be a red tape to affordability. And probably you, this was the second question you asked around um, displacement, really how do we encourage equitable and responsible growth while minimizing resident displacement? 
and really focusing in on that. And so this plan itself, in, in, in my estimation, is probably one of the tools, one of the tactics, and one of the building blocks that'll truly help us address housing affordability. It is not the end all to be all. There is still much more to do, but this is a great down payment for mm-hmm. us to get started mm-hmm. with. To use a housing analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd add on, on innovation, Adam? Yeah, you know, I, I think the two things I, I think about and point to when we're talking to other cities about what they can do, first and foremost, the absolute intentionality from the beginning to enable growth, and but to do so without displacement and minimizing displacement and, and a laser-like focus on preserving communities for existing and legacy residents who really built the fabric of Atlanta. And it's one of the reasons everyone wants to move here. And, and that is something that is at the core of the plan and the core of all the work that the city's doing. And I think, you know, part of that and, and building from that, what I've really found interesting is paying attention to the adjacencies beyond just housing. Housing is about having a home, but it's also about the full cost of keeping that home and staying in it. So Atlanta has some of the highest levels of utility burden in the country. It means one in 10 residents in Atlanta pay more than 10% of their income for water and electricity. That is an enormous amount and makes the cost of keeping a home hard. On the other side, as people are trying to find cheaper homes, they're moving farther and farther away from the center of the city, farther away from job centers. They're trading off their housing costs for transportation costs. So in Atlanta, about half of residents pay 48% of their income on housing, utilities, and transportation combined. And that's not good for anyone. It means more congestion. It means more time spent away from families, from jobs, from homes. It means higher costs for people to carry that ongoing. So the affordability of housing is about more than just the house itself. And I think Atlanta and the the plan that they've developed is really taking that on head on. There's one more element about the plan I want to highlight, which is the Funders Collective. Megan, can you talk a little bit about that and in the sort of in the vein of, again, supporting the public sector with this kind of bold vision that they've launched? Sure. So um, under the House ATL program, we launched a number of committees, and one of them was Working Better and Smarter Together. We uh, decided to look at a structure that could coordinate and braid private and philanthropic dollars with public dollars. So there's been some intentionality around creating a structure, looking at pipeline, enabling the environment to move pipeline of projects, whether it's preservation or production, that currently has gaps to understand together with the public, the private, and the philanthropic sector sitting together, understanding what the project and the impact of that project is and how it elevates up to shared priorities under the Housing Action Plan to figure out solutions to filling that gap. So there's the coordination element, but there's also capital raise. We are uh, looking to uh, have a capital campaign to support raising dollars that would provide, whether it be grant and subsidy dollars or program-related income, um, uh, low-interest debt or equity that we think could be a solution to leveraging the 4% low-income housing tax credits. Um, And then the second would be an investment committee that would actually look at the deals and and make awards. And then a third would be an oversight committee that would make sure the funds that are raised are being used responsibly and have some accountability. So we're really excited to to launch this work. So I just want to shift us a little bit to obviously lots of ambitions here. How are you guys thinking about delivery and how are you going to hold yourselves accountable? Maybe start with you, Terry. I'm sure you're thinking about that every day. Um, But (laughs) I think that credibility around being able to deliver on this is going to be so important to summoning all the support that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But I would say that I'm thinking about it day and night um, as to how we actually deliver upon it, quite frankly, with hard work. 
Um, it, it really will take hard work, dedication, a very intentional laser focus, and really being vulnerable and transparent. You know, there's there will be, there have already been some critics, right, in reference to the Housing Affordability Action Plan and whether or not it has gone far enough, but there will also be critics as we continue to do our work. And one of the things that I focus our team on is that we have to continue working. Um, and where we need to fine-tune, we should fine-tune, but we have to continue working and be very transparent about the results that we actually um, produce. And so what do you hope the housing landscape looks like here in five to ten years? Like if you allow yourself to dream, you've been wildly successful, chief housing officer, everybody's copying this great idea, you know, we've marshaled all the resources, what, is, what's, what does Atlanta look like then? A city that's truly inclusive. Um, this this is a start. I, I don't want anyone to walk away from this podcast or quite honestly any conversations that we have and think that we, you know, that our action plan will absolutely 100% solve the problem. But what I will say, it's a start. And the conversations that galvanize through House ATL, the work of Enterprise, and the work of all of our partners is a start to addressing a problem that we should have addressed yesterday. Yeah. And so the key is staying focused, staying on track, and also being open enough to know that we need to continue working. So we'll still be working a decade from now. But what I will say is I believe the work will be easier a decade from now simply because of the path that we've set forward today. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, do we, what do you guys think? What, what do you hope for in, in the future for Atlanta? Megan? Yeah, no, I, I would agree in an inclusive and an equitable Atlanta. A part of this plan is that, you know, we are investing equitably across the city. Um, we are tackling displacement and we are creating a stronger systems for the private and philanthropic community to support the public partner here. Yeah, I, I, and I, not to be a, a broken record, but I, I think the opportunity in Atlanta uh, is to really create a roadmap that shows how you can enable growth without displacement. And there's so many unique elements within the plan. Terry talked about the anti-displacement tax fund that can help hold steady property taxes so that people can benefit from improvements in the community without having to be forced out. Looking at how you can uh, provide legal assistance to prevent evictions. One in five renters in Atlanta currently face eviction every year. That's an enormous amount. So how do you come in in an environment where the state may not be as helpful and have as many strengths to prevent that uh, the city coming up and, and stepping into that, looking at community land trusts, which is something that Atlanta is already famous for, uh, and looking at addressing low-income energy burden. So I think those are things that Atlanta is really demonstrating a new roadmap for that. And also, I, I think the collaborative nature, not just between the public and the private sector and the philanthropic sector, but within government, that is a completely new landscape that is equally as important as the nuts and bolts and, and wood that gets put up into the buildings. So one last question because we've been talking a lot about Atlanta, and we were sitting down, Terry, and you mentioned that you had been in a convening with other cities. What are you, you're, you're learning, you're seeking to learn, I know, always. What, what are you learning from other places that you're bringing into this? And obviously, we hope others will learn from what you're doing as well. Any final thoughts or reflections on that? Point? Yeah, I think this is an interesting time. You know, we saw during the last recession how cities came together to really understand how to address the foreclosure crisis. And what I'm seeing is that cities are partnering once again to, to determine the best methods of addressing housing affordability. You know, the things we're learning here in Atlanta is how can we use zoning and land use policy to really encourage affordability and equitable development across our communities? How can we actually maximize the use of the programs? Adam and both Megan talked about 
utilizing community land trust, but also how do we take the existing funding that we have and the investment that we make to ensure that we have affordability perpetuity, right? Because we make a lot of investment in affordable housing, but it's a time constraint mm-hmm. to it. So how do we truly move forward with long-term affordability? So those are some of the things we're learning from other cities. We're also learning from other cities, and quite honestly, I believe other cities are learning from Atlanta on how to coordinate differently and how to really collaborate differently. I will tell you that in the convening I was in last week, every city that was there said Atlanta is doing it differently and doing it right Mm. from a coordination aspect. And the question is, how can we even do it better, right? And so I think that's the opportunity that we have to continue to share with our peers, for our peers to continue to share with us, but let's all collectively come come together for a housing solution. Thank you. Any, Any last comments from you, Adam or Megan? Yeah, you know, I, I had the benefit of knowing you were going to ask that question. So thinking about, you know, what we've seen in cities that, that have gotten this right and that, you know, Atlanta could look towards and, and what's needed, uh, I really see five key characteristics. One, you need a mayor who's bold. That incremental mm-hmm. change will not have a major impact given the scale of the effort and, and the challenge before us. And you're seeing cities like Minneapolis that eliminated single-family home zoning. That, that is a bold, audacious move, and that's the type of moonshots that we need. It costs money. So you need cities that, that, you know, can dedicate the money, and Los Angeles and others have created linkage development fees that are raising hundreds of millions of dollars a year of local recurring resources to dedicate to this year after year. You need cities that engage partners because they can't do this alone. It's just far too big. Uh, and you're seeing places like Charlotte, Seattle, and San Francisco that are engaging the philanthropic and corporate sector to develop joint plans, much like the Hell's ATL effort here. And you need cities that are, are focused on protecting existing residents. I think New York City's done that well with universal legal representation for tenants as they're facing issues. Atlanta has a lot of work that they're doing in this effort as well. And the last piece is to stay coordinated and focused. And, and I think having the chief housing officer and having someone like Terry is absolutely a necessary ingredient to that effort. Yeah, and you know, I would just add that in addition to the coordination piece and where we bring the private component into that aspect is you know, subsidies and incentives that drive success. You know, how do we learn from other cities to support that? Also, activating publicly owned assets, right, and tax-exempt assets. I know, Terry, uh, you've been talking quite a bit about that, so we're really excited about that. Incentivizing permanent affordability, so critical. We think that systems change as we think about it. And then also, uh, what we haven't mentioned that I think is really critical is universal messaging and communication around housing affordability. We think that that's a real opportunity to take the success and the leadership around this housing action plan. And how do we begin to message this so that folks who aren't typically in our industry understand uh, the need in the city of Atlanta? Thank you, guys. This has been great. Really enjoyed speaking with all of you. And I look forward to checking in soon and hearing more about how it's going. Thank you for your time today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Upcoming episodes of Building Blocks will explore a variety of topics in the housing and community development field and conversations with industry professionals, change makers, and enterprise experts. Please send your feedback to buildingblockspodcast at enterprisecommunity.org. Thank you for listening.